Today we're looking at Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16. Jesus, our great high priest, and um, Chris, great selections of music there. That was just, that was, was great. The throne of God above. Such good preparation for our hearts to think about this here. And uh, so as before we read and hear God's word, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to be our savior, to wash us from sin, to forgive us, to make us children of God, and also to be our, our intercessor, our priest who hears us, who brings us before you, who makes us right with you. And I pray that you would show us the help and the grace, the mercy and strength we have from Jesus every day. We pray this in your name. Amen. So I'll read it again here. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And these verses speak powerfully to how Jesus helps you today. And we all know you and I, we experience trials of our faith we face seasons of doubt. We may wonder, why do I believe? Or what good is it anyway? But you have very good reason to have faith in Jesus Christ and to keep that faith. Keep the faith. Because in Jesus, there is mercy and grace to help in time of need. Jesus is your high priest in heaven today advocating for you and god's throne is a throne of grace from from which comes mercy and help for your life now to understand to, to fully understand the, the encouragement of these verses it's very helpful to to know the context of the first four chapters of, of the book of hebrews and the book of hebrews uses the history of the israelites to illustrate the realities of our Christian life. And so to, re, to, to re-summarize our, our Old Testament history here, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years, and then God, through mighty acts, delivered them out of slavery. And then they wandered in the wilderness before they reached their promised land. And as they wandered in the wilderness, God led them along the way. But... They struggled to follow him, as we do. And they were many times, they were tempted to go back to Egypt. And the, and the first time when they were going to go into the promised land, they, they refused to go in. They refused to go in. They, the whole generation did not believe. And those who did not believe and follow God did not enter the promised land. They continued to wander until that generation passed away and the new generation entered in. Those who believed and did follow God entered in. So the Israelites 
were delivered from slavery. And as, just as they were delivered from slavery, we also have a deliverance. We are delivered from sin in our hearts by salvation in Jesus Christ. And once you believe in Christ, then the rest of your life is a journey to reach your promised land, your eternal rest with God. And so that's our, that's our, our context, helpful to us to understand the, what comes before these verses. And I wanna, I'm going to read some of those verses here, just in between of these first four chapters here. Hebrews 4, 9, and 10 says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. So this is God's promise. There is a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There is a perfect rest still coming. So the, the Sabbath day of rest, the Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week, and the promised land of Israel, the, both of these foreshadow the eternal rest, the eternal day of rest with God and the eternal place of rest with God. And in that rest, all our labors will stop, not not all activity, <laughs> there'll be great things for us to do, but they're all burdens will stop. Because so much of our, our activity in this life is we're, we're trying to protect things, repair things, or replace things. Because everything's constantly being broken down, right? But in heaven, nothing will break down or decay, and nothing can attack, steal, or kill. There is nothing to fear, and there is no anxiety or depression. We will joyfully share the goodness that is God forever. Those who have Christ now already have God's presence with them. You have a, a portion of that peace with you now. And Philippians 4, 7 says, the peace of God guards your heart and mind now in this life. But there is a full Sabbath rest still to come that we look forward to. And God wants you to be there at the end when he brings the new heavens and new earth and the full Sabbath rest. So he warns you, he warns us, he warns me not to harden our hearts like the Israelites did because not everyone will enter God's rest. And here's some, some verses from the first four chapters of Hebrews that highlight this for us. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Hebrews 3, verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? Hebrews 4, verse 2. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. And Hebrews 2, verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And then... Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, the verse right before our verses today. 
and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. There is a Sabbath rest for the people of God, but not all will enter it. Those who remain in Jesus will enter it. And I want you, every one of you, to enter it. Again, God has mercy and help for you today. So our verses are of our study here today. Verse 14, I'll read it again. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. In other words, keep the faith. Well, what is this confession that we are to keep? Well, it's, there's many great verses in the New Testament we look, could look to. I'm going to look at Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. There's, there's what we confess. That's, what, that's the confession of faith we hold to and believe in. Jesus died to forgive your sins. He transforms you to make you a child of God. And he brings you to eternal life. He is bringing you to eternal life. And he also, as our verses today point out, he keeps you in the faith as your great high priest. And uh, a high priest is a arch priest. It's the, in the hierarchy, in the, the group of priests, he is the, 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 the arch priest. And it's saying here that Jesus is the mega arch priest. And I'm going to have a picture shown up here in a minute here as I explain the word mega. So mega means greatest of all. Greatest of all, biggest there is. And uh, to explain this, I'm gonna show where mega is used in a different thing. So the biggest shark discovered by man uh, is based on fossilized teeth. And we found these teeth all over the world. Um, it is estimated to have been three times larger than the great white shark. And you can see the picture there. The smaller tooth there, that is the tooth of a great white shark, which that, that's the big one we talk about. That's Jaws, right? <laughs> the big one. That is what we call Megalodon. And we just go Mega, the biggest there is, Ladon tooth, because all we have them is, is, is this tooth. He's long extinct. So you can, can you imagine? The, the, <laughs> did you, you, you see the difference there? Like the small, the tooth there, that's the biggest we know, we experience, we see. That's, that's the, the high shark of all sharks. Well, the mega high shark, that's, that's the other one. And so using that same word mega here, and we, we can put the picture down and go back here. So using the word mega, Jesus is your mega high priest. Your great high priest. And a, a priest what does a priest do? A priest mediates 
between God and man. And especially he mediates when a wrong has been done by man against God. So he mediates to, to bring offering, to remove that sin, and to bring the help of God to man. And so he is your advocate before God. And uh, last month I, I had an experience where I needed an advocate. My car would not run. And, uh, and uh, fortunately, Heidi's brother Troy had a connection and he got me a, a friends and family advocate with the car company. And so I had, which was I needed, thank you Heidi, I, need, <laughs> I needed that because I brought it in once, fixed, uh, a week later broken again. Bring it back again, we can't, sorry, we can't duplicate the problem, there's nothing we can do. Well, my advocate called them and lo and behold, 90 minutes later I get a call, hey, uh, we, we found the problem. It was a bad, uh, bad fuel sensors in the tank. It was reading, those, those sensors were reading it as, as ethanol, and it was regular, and so it was messing with your, your combustion chamber, and nothing would start. So, and, and also, they, I was reimbursed for them not fixing it right the first time. It, it made a big difference having an advocate on the inside. Um, so I'm, will, I'm still waiting for that, that check to actually come in the mail, but I've been told that reimbursement's coming. <laughs> um, well, the point is you have an advocate with God who brings you the friends and family of God benefits. Jesus made the sacrifice to take away your sin. He removes any, any offense, any way you have offended God, any offense or wrong that you've done against God so that there would be separation, there would be wrong between you. He removes that. And he obtains for you help from God the Father. And he is greater than any other high priest that has ever been among men because he has passed through the heavens. He has bridged the gap. He's crossed the gap between God and men. And he's gone into the very presence of God, face to face, to intercede for you personally. And Ephesians 4, 9 through 10 tells us about this. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So Jesus is the one who descended from heaven to the earth and from earth ascended above the heavens to the presence of God. Jesus is the great high priest because he is fully man and fully God. So in Jesus, God became man by being born as one of us. He descended to earth. And after his death and resurrection, he ascended through the heavens to the right hand of God the Father. So as Jesus, he, he represents you. Every, all of humanity, every man, woman, child, he represents you to God the Father. But then as, as God the Son, as the Son of God, he is pleasing to God and he brings God's grace and help to you. Jesus intercedes for you every day to help your faith and your heart and your strength. 
But you can also be confident about Jesus because of his character, because of who he is. You can be confident that Jesus has compassion for your every weakness and temptation. And we'll read verse 15 here. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And there's, there's lots of good news in these verses. I'm going to focus on two. And the, the first is that Jesus has sympathy for your struggles and your weaknesses with sin, which means, which means that Jesus never treats you with disdain or contempt. He suffered with us. He was tempted in every respect. So any way that a sin, that a person might be tempted with sin, Jesus was tempted. His divinity did not mean that he did not feel temptation. Rather, his, his divinity meant that he was tested and tempted far beyond any of us have ever been tempted. Because if we think about temptation, temptation is like, is like an army besieging a castle. You know, they don't go for the strongest points and try to you know, just attack it head on. No, they, they test the walls, look, trying to find that weak spot in the walls. And when they find that weak spot in the walls, or <laughs> there's a traitor on the inside to open a door and let them in, then they go through that. They find that weak spot or that betrayal. They find that opening, and then they break in there. And then once they've broken in, then they try to take over from the inside. They don't continue, you know, testing all the walls on the outside once they've already broken in somewhere. And likewise, we, we are only tested until temptation breaks in and finds a foothold. And from that foothold of sin, it takes over the rest of your life. Jesus was tested in every way because it never found a foothold. It, had, it tested the walls all the way around, every possible way, trying to find a foothold for sin in him. And we know it. testing is hard. When we are tested, when you are tempted, it's hard on you. It's hard to stand firm in the truth against opposition. It's much easier to just, to just go along, to just avoid suffering. And it's helpful for us in our struggles to consider some of the weaknesses and temptations and opposition that Jesus endured. So let's look at Jesus and his, his life on earth. Jesus was a rejected outcast. He knew rejection and loneliness. People said of his hometown, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. That, that's the reputation Nazareth had. And then even his own hometown people rejected him and tried to kill him. His siblings rejected him. The authorities opposed his good deeds like healing and his teachings. He lived a life of self-denial. He had no house, no wife, no children. He was, he, he was basically homeless. He wandered, always on the move, every day wholly dependent upon God to provide daily food and shelter. And as we mentioned in the children's message, uh, there was a time where he went into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. And during that time, the devil tempted him. 
And as I, I shared earlier, uh, I went on a trip to Israel back in February, and, and I went to that wilderness. I can tell you, it, it is bleak. It is hot, it is dry, it is empty. It is, it is empty. It's not a place you wanna be for a long time. And it's there in that, in that bleak emptiness that the devil tempted him. And he tempted him to abuse his power he tempted him to compromise with evil in, in order to avoid suffering. He tempted him to test God. And reading the scriptures, that appears that it, it indicates he was tested in many other ways that aren't specifically recorded. Because uh, one, one of the gospels says he was tested continually through that time. And then we think also, we recall the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus knew the cross was coming and he felt the panic and the dread and the anxiety and he cried out to God for escape and was told no he must walk the path of suffering and now on that path of suffering Jesus was falsely condemned he was beaten he was abandoned by his friends he was separated from his from God the Father for sins that he did not commit he was tempted, as any one of us would be in these circumstances, tempted to despair, tempted to, towards rage, towards vengeance, tempted to give up, and much more. And, uh, but considering ourselves, since, since most humans have never fasted for 40 days, not willingly, and, and none of us have ever been tempted by the devil face to face, we can safely say Jesus was tempted beyond any other human. So whatever you are facing, Jesus has faced a temptation or weakness of that variety. And he hears you as one who has suffered with you and like you. And he personally understands your suffering and he has genuine sympathy for you. He also has real help for you. It's good to know that he cares. It's also really good to know he has help for you. Because he was tempted like us, except without sin. So not only did he not commit sin, there was no sin within him for evil to connect with. There was no traitor within to open the door and let the invaders in. Evil tested every inch of his walls and found no weakness because there was no sin within him he stood firm against every temptation he had strength and an answer for every temptation and every test that means he has strength and an answer for your test whatever that may be hebrews 2 verse 18 says for because he himself has suffered when tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted. So keep the faith. You have a high priest. He is the son of God. And he sympathizes with your weaknesses and temptations. And since these things are true, what should we do? Well, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy 
and find grace to help in time of need. In other words, come to God. <laughs> Draw near to God. And we come with confidence, and, and that's, a, the trans, that's a translation of a word that literally means speak freely. The confidence to come to speak freely before God. So you have an invitation to speak freely with the God, the King of the universe. And now in the ancient world, it was customary that a king at, at appointed times, he would, he would come and sit on his throne so that his people could come to him to receive help from him and request him. And we may approach God's throne with full confidence. And that, that confidence we have, it doesn't come with, from ourselves. It comes from Jesus who died for us and who intercedes for us and speaks to God for us. So it's as, as if you have a printed invitation, you have a printed invitation signed by Jesus Christ to come request help from God. And so you come confidently, you approach him, not because, wow, mm, I, I must be so great. <laughs> no, you come holding that invitation high, knowing that this is from God and it is for you. So you come to him. And you approach knowing this is the throne of grace. One commentator says this, that the throne of grace is the place where God's royal grace can be obtained from his person. So because of Jesus Christ, God is gracious toward you. He is delighted in you. He's pleased with you. He longs to give you good gifts. So then the question it naturally is, well, how do we draw near to the throne of grace? Well, through prayer marked by contrition and faith. We come humbly admitting our sin and weakness and asking for help with our sin. And we come in faith, confident that he can and will help us. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And 1 Peter 5 verse 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. So we approach God's throne humbly, but confidently in faith that he can and will help us, that we are heard for Jesus' sake. And we come that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, mercy is relief for our suffering, and grace is an undeserved gift. And this mercy and grace, it is timely. It is what we need for the weaknesses and temptations you are facing in this season of life. So this grace, it comes in time, and it is for this time. What type of help do you receive? And how do you find it? Well, the better question is, how does it find you? <laughs> Sometimes God shows us mercy by ending the storm that we're going through in life. Or he sends someone to help you. Sometimes he shows grace 
by giving strength and courage to endure the storm with his presence with you, by his presence with you. So when you are wondering, can I make it through this? Remember, Jesus did make it through, and he has strength for your heart and spirit that helps with your situation today, and he will be with you through it. This does not mean it will be a calm ride every time that will always end in success. I wish I could say it does. <laughs> but even in failure, God can preserve your heart so that you are not broken by that. Jesus strengthens your heart so that life's trials mature you and they build you up rather than tear you down and, un and undo you. And the daily help of Jesus keeps you in the faith. And this help, it finds you. It finds you by the Holy Spirit working in his word. We talked about earlier about G Jesus when he was tempted by the devil. And when he answered the, these temptations, he answered them with God's word. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And his strength for, for you will be from God's word. And, and that is why we, we gather and we seek God together. We seek God and we hear his word. Because we are expecting grace from God that helps today. We are looking for God to help us in the way that only he can. And his word has this wonderful power to change us, to transform us. His word can make the proudest person humble. He can make the hardest heart soft. He can make the greedy generous. He can make the cruel kind. His word can make the weak strong, the doubting confident, and the faltering steadfast. There was a time in the Gospels, in John chapter 6, when many followers were, were leaving Jesus. They were walking away. They felt his teaching was too challenging and frankly too <laughs> convicting. John chapter 6, starting in verse 66. After this, many of, it, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And it is as simple as that. When many around you are walking away from God, you can remain steadfast because Jesus is the Holy One of God who has the words of eternal life. Where else could you go? Jesus is your high priest advocating for you in the presence of God the Father. He knows and sympathizes with your every weakness and temptation. He understands your doubts and your faltering. And he has help for your soul every day so that you remain steadfast in him.
Keep the faith, because in Jesus there is mercy and help in time of need. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you that you help us. You have help for our souls, for our minds, for our spirit. Every day, from your word, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who has saved us from sin and washed us clean, who forgives us, who purifies our hearts, who turns us from evil toward good, who sends his spirit to us to strengthen us. And pray that you would send us this strength every day so that we would know that you are with us and that you are good and that you will never let us go, that you have help for us every day. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.